Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. We're so excited that you guys are here today, whether you're joining us in person or online, or maybe you're in the courtyard. Uh, man, we're so grateful for you guys. And I apologize for Pastor Brandon and him trying to create disunity because we all know sweet tea is the best drink. And it, thank you. Thank you. You must be from the South. Um, for everybody else, uh, that is not tea that you put sugar packets in. Okay, that's not how you do sweet tea. Also, if you like sweet tea and lemonade mix, you got to go to Chick-fil-A. They have a thing called Sunjoy, and that's where you get, that's my daughter's favorite drink. So, uh, hey, man, we're so grateful for you, and our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. Uh, I want to let you know about something that, that we just started partnering with, a, a local organization, um, and it's called the Care Portal. Uh, and the Care Portal is an opportunity where we can come alongside families that are in the uh, foster care adoption process uh, or families that are in need, that have some needs for their kids. It's specifically designed for helping families with kids. Um, and, uh, and the way that it works is we're trying to uh, uh, create a team of people that say, hey, man, I want to be a part of this. And when you say you're going to be a part of it, uh, it means that either you are saying, hey, when needs come available, so a kid gets placed in a home and they need uh, diapers or they need clothes or they need a crib or a car seat or whatever, maybe you have that stuff lying around or maybe you want to help donate to that. Or there are other people in our community who have already given money uh, to be able to help uh, these families. And then you're just saying, hey, I'll go pick it up. I'll use uh, the, the credit card that we have with that and I'll go pick it up and, uh, and deliver it to the family. It's a really cool opportunity that we have to not just take care of needs of families, uh, but you actually get to engage the family. So you get to go to their house, you can pray with them, uh, talk to them, or you can just drop it off at their door, whatever is most comfortable for you. But if you're interested in finding out more information, go to our Connections tent, which is the blue tent out uh, as you're walking toward your car. Uh, Sienna's out there, and she can give you more information. You can fill out this card, whatever uh, it is. But I just, now our church, you guys already do a great job at caring for people in our community. This is just one other way for us to be able to do that. Uh, today we're starting a new series. It's kind of a heavy series, uh, a little bit heavier than what, we're, what we, we, we normally do. Uh, and the title of it is, Where's God When? And then you fill in the blank. You see, I think that's a question that a lot of people ask about different situations that they're walking through or things that they're, they're dealing with. Where's God when this happened in my life? And so we're going to take kind of a, a larger approach to this, and we're going to uh, boil it down to three general questions that people ask. Where's God when I make a mistake or when I sin? Or when I do something wrong, where is God in that moment? Where is God when I need something? You know, you, have you ever been in a place where you, like, you prayed for something and it didn't happen? Or you're like, God, I need this, and it doesn't seem like God is listening to you. Where is God when you need something? And today we're going to hit one that's probably the most asked question, at least to me as a pastor, is where is God when bad things happen? Where is God when tragedy strikes? Where is God when, when tough things happen? I think, it's a, I think all of these are really good questions. I think when you ask this question, it doesn't mean you have a lack of faith. Uh, it could be, but it doesn't mean that you always have a lack of faith or that you're, you're mad at God or something like that. It just means that, that logically you're wondering, man, where is God in the midst of this? Like I think about my, my childhood and, uh, you know, I think, man, where was God when my dad was abusing me? Like was my dad right there? I mean, was, I mean, was God right there like watching it? And if he was watching it, why would he allow it? Like and if he allowed it, then is he good? I mean, brings up all these other questions, but where is God in the midst of that? Or where is God when one of my best friends killed himself? Or when my aunt killed herself? Or when two students in our student ministry that I oversaw killed themselves? Like, where is God in the midst of, of that? Or where is God when my son was born with special needs? 
I mean, was he there? Did he know that? Did he create him that way? Like, where's God in the midst of that? Or where's God when, when people in the church, people I try to serve and I try to love, when, when, when they, they, you know, come at me or they have tried to get me fired before at, other church, at my other church or whatever. Like, where's God in the midst of that situation? Or where's God in, in the midst of all the injuries that I've had? I, we moved out here nine years ago, and I've had, uh, I think, six different surgeries. I, I went septic at one point, almost died. And, I mean, where's God in the, like, God, I moved out here for you, and then this is what happens? Where's God in the midst of all that? Where's God in your tragedy? Where's God in your situation? Because if all, all of us have walked through something Something difficult. All of us are, 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 maybe some of us right now, we're walking through a really trying time. And that question has come up, man, God, where is God? Where is God in the midst of this? And here's the answer to that question. There, there, there's, there's a really easy answer, and it's really complicated. Like, it's really, really easy. I can explain it really fast, and it's really complicated, and it's hard to explain. And when it comes to this question, where is God, when bad things happen, there's, there's good news and there's bad news. There's good news and bad news. Which one do you want first? Bad news. Okay, let's start with the good news. Um, <laughs> the good news is it's real easy to know where God is because he says where he is. I mean, Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not, I am with you. Psalm 23.4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you or forsake you. So the good news is God's right here. God's in the midst of your trial. God is with you in the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. He's walking with you when you're climbing the greatest mountaintop experience you could ever have and when you're in the midst of the greatest valley you've ever experienced. God is right there with you. That doesn't seem like good news, does it? Because when you're in the midst of tragedy, when you're in the midst of pain, knowing that God is there and feeling God's presence are two different things many times. And so, Ernest, it doesn't feel like it's really good news to say that God's with me when I don't feel like he's with me. Or I don't sense that he's with me or I don't hear his voice or I don't know. Like, I can't know that I know that he's right here in the midst of this. Like, that doesn't seem, if that's the good news, what's the bad news? Like, if the good news is that God is with me, but maybe I don't always feel like he is, then what's the bad news? Well, the bad news is this. What if in the midst of your trial, in the midst of the bad things that happen in your life, the, the dark times that you may walk through, what if it's not that God has left you? Maybe your perspective has changed. Maybe it's not that God has changed, but rather how you see him or how you see the world has changed. Now, some of you are thinking, Ernest, I haven't changed. Like, I know exactly where I'm at. I know the pain that I'm going through. I know what I'm dealing with. I know how hard I'm working to just make ends meet. I know how hard I'm working to, to help my kid make sure they stick close to the Lord or, or, or love my spouse well or pull my family back from this tragedy we've been walking through. God, I know where I'm at, Ernest. My perspective hasn't changed. But what if it has? I mean, what if it's like, like wearing glasses? How many, of you, how many of you wear glasses? Anybody wear glasses? Okay, I need... I need a pair of, of glasses. Scott, let me have your glasses real quick. Thank you. He says that you won't be able to see. <laughs> Cannot be as bad as last service. I promise you on that one. Holy cow. <laughs> what is your vision, Scott? Am I going to hurt my eyes? Okay, so I don't need glasses. Uh, I don't wear contacts or anything like that. I was told when I turned 40 that I was going to have to. I'm, maybe at 43 I'll have to, but right now I don't. I'll put these on, okay. So y'all look like one big blur. 
to me. Do my eyes change to you? Is this going to hurt my eyes? Am I going to need glasses after this? Okay, so here's what happens with glasses, right? If you don't need them, you see the world in a certain way. Scott, thank you for letting me use your glasses, and I'll be praying for your eyesight. Um, <laughs> here's what happens in the midst of tragedy is that we see things a certain way and then bad things happen and then we put on the lens that the world tells us to put on. We put on the bifocals of society and we begin to see our situation or our God the way the world tells us to. So the world says, hey, if your God is so good, why did he allow this to happen? So a bad thing happens to us and we go, yeah, God, why did you allow that to happen? You must not be good because we've changed our perspective of who God is. Like when everything is going well, like when, when things are going, the stock market's increasing and, and you can actually buy the food that you want at King Supers and you pull up to Chick-fil-A and somebody in front of you decide to pay it forward for some reason, you got your meal for free. Like when all that's happening, you're like, man, life is good. God is good. But then when tragedy strikes, is God really good? Does God really see me? And it's not that God has changed, it's that our perspective of him has changed. So how do we keep the same perspective of God? Like, how do we not change our view of him? Because he doesn't change, so how do we not change our view of him? I mean, how when, when we go through trying times, when we go through difficult moments of our lives, how do you and I stay focused that God is still good, that he's still loving, that he's still faithful, that he's still all-powerful, that he's still all those things that we believe in the good seasons? How do we keep that perspective in the harder seasons? Well, the person we're going to look at today is this guy named Jesus. I think Jesus is the greatest example of this because Jesus' perspective of the Father never changed. And it's not like Jesus' life was perfect. Yes, Jesus was perfect, but his life was far from it. I mean, he walked through rejection. He walked through loneliness, anxiety. He dealt with broken relationships. All the things that you and I deal with, Jesus walked through it as well. And his perspective of God never changed. His perspective of his Father never changed. So how? I mean, how did he walk through such difficult moments where people ridiculed him, beat him, tried to kill him, and then it did eventually kill him? How did he walk through those and his, his perspective of God never wavered? We're going to look at this passage in Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there and uh, we're going to walk through this passage together. But before we do, I'm going to start it off by looking at Luke chapter 11. It's the same story, just two different authors writing about it. And here's what Luke says about this story. One day... Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Wait, what? Ernest, we're talking about like God helping us or God being there for us. Or where is God in the midst of tragedy? Now you're going to talk about prayer? Why would you talk about prayer? Because prayer is just simply communication with God. That's really what it is. It's us listening to God and listening for his voice and us communicating to God. And I believe that you could tell a lot about uh, somebody's relationship with someone else based on how they talk to them. Right? Like, think about newlyweds. Like, newlyweds make all of us sick. Unless you're a newlywed, then congratulations. But for the rest of us, you make us sick because you're like, ah, you're like all over each other and you're like lovey-dovey. And like, clearly you're a newlywed. Like, you haven't been married that long. Or you look at a, a guy and a girl and you see them out and you might think, oh, maybe they're dating or maybe they're married. And then they start talking to each other like, oh, your brother and sister, you know, because like 
you treat each other poorly, like my kids treat each other. Um, or uh, my favorite is, like, uh, is watching old people, uh, older people, sorry. Uh, don't place yourself in that category of old. Older people, uh, especially when they've been married for like a long time and, and you watch older people and they're still affectionate and they're holding hands and the way they talk to each other and like you're not sickening like the newlywed people, you know. Like, like it's a different type of love and affection and, and depth to the relationship. You could tell a lot about someone's relationship with someone else based on how they talk to one another. Like Jesus is saying here, as you can, as you disciples, as you're asking how to pray, I'm going to tell you how to keep the right perspective of God. How to like know that you know who he is so that when you're communing, communing with him, when you're communicating to him and receiving communication from him, that you have a, a right perspective, no matter what's going on in your life. No matter the tragedies or the trials, that you'll have the right perspective of God. All right, so that's where we jump over to to Matthew chapter 6. And so they ask him to teach us how. And Jesus says this in verse 9. This then is how you should pray. You probably heard this before. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now probably most of us, even if we didn't grow up going to church, you've probably heard this prayer before. I remember the first time I heard this prayer, I didn't grow up in church. So the first time I heard it, I was a sophomore in high school and I was on the football team and, and they said, okay guys, it was before our first game. They said, well, let's all pray together. So I got down on one knee and I'm like, I don't know what prayer means. I've never prayed in my life before. And so I got down on one knee, one hand on this guy, one hand on this guy, and they started reciting the Lord's prayer. And I didn't know it, so what do you do when you don't know the lyrics of a song or the words of prayer? You say elephant ears. Just like that. Just like that's a tip. That's a tip for you. One lady after last service, she said, thank you for that tip. Like, that's what you got out of my message? (laughs) Praise God. I'm glad I studied so hard. Um, So anyway, so we prayed that prayer, and I'm like, what is that? Like, and they said it was the Lord's Prayer. Now, it probably shouldn't be called the Lord's Prayer. It probably should be called the Disciples' Prayer, because the disciples are the ones saying, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to have unity. Teach us how to be one in our worship and our communion with God and how we communicate to God. And so Jesus says, well, this is the way. If you want to know how to communicate to God, if you want to know how to have the right perspective of God, then then this is it. Now, in the Lord's Prayer, there are six petitions. The first three petitions focus on the preeminence of God. So the power of God, who God is, his character, who he is or who he should be in our Lives The last three petitions focus on personal needs that are met within community. So the personal needs of each one of us that are found within a community setting. So today we're going to look at the first three, the, the, those first three petitions, because they deal with God and who he is, his character, and how we're to have a right perspective on God. So let's go back. Verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father. You stop there. So he's our Father. He's not just God. He's not just like some guy far off in the sky or something like that. He is our father. It conveys authority and warmth and intimacy of a father's embrace. Now, for some of you, this might be easy to understand because maybe you have a great relationship with your dad. And if so, that's amazing. But I would say no matter how good your earthly father is, he pales in comparison to your heavenly father. But some of you, you have a relationship with your dad or you had a relationship with your dad that is much like I had with my dad where it wasn't that great. And so I remember when I first came to Christ and people started saying, well, God's your heavenly father. I'm like, I don't need a heavenly father. 
Like my earthly one was bad enough, I don't need two bad ones. Like I couldn't understand how a father could be good, how a father could be authoritative but not, not striking me down all the time. I couldn't understand how a father could embrace me, how a father would encourage me, would lift me up, would love me. I couldn't understand that. So I didn't want a heavenly father. But Jesus here is saying the first thing you have to understand in your perspective of God is he is your father, that he loves you, that he sees you, that he knows you by name, he knows your story, and he cares so deeply about you, so deeply, that he'll walk with you in any journey that you go through in life, that he'll never leave you or forsake you. Because a true heavenly father, a true father would never forsake. A true father would never forsake, no matter what. And he's saying, well, I'm your father. That's the first aspect, the first understanding you've got to get across with when it comes to our perspective of God. Because when trials come, if God is not your father, then you just treat him like maybe he's a policeman or maybe he's the, the mayor or he's, he's casting down judgment on you or something like that. Or he's this far off dictator. But if he's your father, when trials come, you're like, okay, but he's with me. He'll walk with me. He'll sit with me. He'll mourn with me. He'll celebrate with me. He says, our Father in heaven. He's not saying that God is far off, that God is separated from us. He's saying that God is sovereign, that God rules over all. For God to be in heaven means that he has sovereignty over all things. Not that he's staying up there and never interacting with us here, but that God oversees everything, that he has power over everything. So our Father, this intimate relationship we're supposed to have with him, who is over everything, hallowed be your name. Which means what? It means to have your name set apart as holy, that, that God, your name is to be above every other name, that, that on the throne of our lives is not our name, it's not my spouse's name, it's not my kid's name, it is God and God alone, that he is to be set apart, that he is to be the one that I worship, the one that I bow down to, the one that I sacrifice for in my life is him. That he is on that throne. That he is to be set apart above everything else and everyone else in our lives. Our father, this intimate relationship, who is in charge of everything. May your name be great. May your name be set apart in my life. May you reign on the throne of my life. And if those things happen, if we have that right perspective of God, then we can actually pray the other things. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How can we pray that? Because we have an understanding that God is our Father, that he is loving, that he is in authority, that, that he wants to embrace us. We have a, an understanding that he is in heaven, that he has sovereignty over all things. He has power over everything, including your darkest days. And that his name should reign supreme in our lives. Then we can pray those things. And I wonder what would happen if our mentality shifted from where is God or why is God doing this? Or why is God allowing this to, okay, God, you're my father. You rule over everything. And I will lift your name on high above everything. And no matter what we're walking through, no matter what darkness we're walking through, how would that change your situation? It may not change what you're going through, but it would change your response to it. Like seeing God in the proper way, Having a right understanding of who he is may not change the pain that you're walking through, but it will change your response to it. It will change how you see things, how you see the situation and how you see ultimately him. 
I mean, Jesus was able to do that. I mean, he walked through broken relationships. He walked through loneliness. He walked through anxiety. He walked through rejection. He walked through all of those things, and yet he had this right understanding of God. But how? I mean, how do you keep that perspective? Like, that sounds great. It sounds awesome to be able to say, like, all the days of my life, no matter what I'm going through, I'm going to have the right perspective that God is my father, that he loves me, that I can trust him, that he's going to care for me, that he has power over my situation. Like, Ernest, that sounds awesome, but how do we actually do that? Well, here's the other good news to this whole conversation is that we have thousands of years of people walking with our God. You know, like, God wasn't created yesterday. He's been around for quite a while. We have thousands of years of people who have walked our same journey. I think sometimes in, in our world, especially in our culture, we, we think about whatever we're going through, like we're the only ones that have ever gone through it. We're the only ones dealing with this. That there haven't been thousands of years of people who have walked my same journey, my same path. Sure, names may be different and, and timing may be different, but people have walked the same journey that I've walked. And they've still stayed committed to God. How? I mean, you look at the Jewish people. They've been walking with God for 4,000 years. Christianity's been around for about 2,000 years. That's a lot of people. A lot of stories that we can learn from that you and I can go, okay, how did these people do it? How did these people walk through, you know, a, a depression? How did these people walk through a recession? How did these people walk through a pandemic? How did these people walk through death and destruction? How did these people walk through political divide? How did these people do it? The beauty is we have those stories. We can see how people walk through challenging situations, our own journey, and still have the right perspective on God. And when you look at those stories, one practical step, one, one practical way I, I want to give to you that, to help you keep the right perspective no matter what you're walking through, no matter how great the pain, no matter how great the tragedy, one simple step to re- keep focus on who God is, that he's your father, that he's sovereign over all, and that his name is to be exalted above everything else, one simple step is this, is you got to create reminders of God's power, faithfulness, and love. If you want to be reminded of of who God is in the midst of the darkness, then when the good things happen in your life, you've got to create a reminder right then. Right then what God did. You've got to remind yourself right in that moment what God did for you. So write it down. Take a picture. Put it somewhere. Whatever you need to do, you've got to create a reminder that this is what God did for me in this season of my life so that when you go back through the darkness, you don't forget. You don't forget. But how do we forget? I mean, if something was so big and so great, would we ever really forget what God did? Yes. One of my favorite stories is, um, is found in Joshua. And uh, Joshua, at this point, he's the leader of the Israelites. And uh, the Israelites are heading toward the promised land. They're almost there. Their last real feat to get to the promised land, the, the land that God had, had committed to them, was crossing the Jordan River. Now, where they crossed at the Jordan River is right across from where Jericho was. And at that point in the river, it was about 100 feet wide, about 10 feet deep. Now, that doesn't sound like that big of a deal, but the problem is the currents are really strong. So strong, back in, uh, I think it was 1892, uh, they, they asked this um, world-famous swimmer at that time, hey, cross at the same place that the Israelites crossed by swimming and see how quickly you can get there. Well, the currents were so strong, this world-famous swimmer couldn't even make it across. And so now you've got the Israelites, they're just walking. They're not even swimming. They're walking and they're standing there at the edge of the water. And God does the same miracle for them that he did at the Red Sea. He stops the waters upriver 
so they can walk through dry land. Now think about that. Like if that was your story, if you're like, okay, here we are. God stopped the waters. Holy cow, that's crazy. And now you're walking across dry land to get to the land that God promised you years ago. And you get to be that nation that walks into there. Are you ever going to forget that? We think we won't. But God's like, yeah, but they're humans. I know they will. And so this is what God tells them to do. I love, I love what he tells them to do right in the midst of this incredible, incredible miracle. Joshua chapter 4, verse 5, he says, And God said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites. So 12. To serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. That sounds crazy. I mean, we've just walked across dry land. We just saw waters part. We're going to tell this story to our kids, and they're going to tell that story to their kids. And it's, I mean, for generations, this story is going to be told. And God's like, that's not how that works. How humanity works is that, that I'll do something in their life, and there'll be a miracle, and there'll be something great, and you'll be like, wow, man, I'll never forget this. And the moment you walk back into another dark season of life, you go, man, where's God? And we forget all about how God just showed up for us. What, God, what is God saying here? He's saying create reminders. Create a memorial. Do something to remind you of what God's done in your life. Like when God does something great for you, remember it in some way. I had a guy come up to me earlier today and he said, Ernest, I want to tell you this. And this before I even knew what my message was about. He said, today marks the three-year day anniversary of my kid no longer having seizures. That for years he had thousands of seizures, thousands but he hasn't had one in three years. He knew the day. He knows the day. Now, does that mean that family has never walked through any darkness since then? No, of course they have. Like we're, We walk through darkness all the time. We walk through tragedies and hardships all the time. It doesn't mean that God said, well, okay, now everything is going to be perfect. God's saying, just remember what I did. Remember what I did. And so where is God in the midst of your tragedy? I mean, where was God in the midst of my dad? not being very kind to me and destroying our family, he was right there. He was right in the midst of it. Because that, that part of my journey led me to a place of great brokenness. I eventually turned to Jesus, gave my life to Christ. My entire family came to the Lord, including my dad. And it wasn't until like two decades later that my dad finally said to me, son, I'm sorry. It was a journey we had to walk through to get to a place where my entire family would come to know Christ. Where was God in the midst of one of my best friends at 17 years old taking his own life? He was right there. I didn't understand it. I had just become a follower of Christ, and I remember going, God, really? You couldn't stop him? Or you wouldn't stop him? Like, where, where are you? And that, that experience, it pushed me. It pushed me to change something in my life. I went on a mission trip that summer because of that tragedy. And it was on that mission trip where God said, I want you to spend the rest of your life taking care of people who are broken and hurting like Brian. That's where I received my call to be a pastor. God was right there in the midst of it. 
I look at all the, all the injuries that I've gone through and uh, man, I've had a lot of surgeries and all that stuff. My wife, uh, she, she's told me, I don't know how many times, Ernest, you gotta stop playing basketball. You gotta stop playing softball. You gotta stop playing all these things. You need to take up swimming. And so I did one time. When I went in there, I realized that people there were twice my age and they were all better than me. And to a competitive person, that is not ideal. So, so maybe later, but right now, this is what I'm doing. And man, I've had, I've had a journey the last four or five years, really hard. And I thank God for the doctors and I thank God for my PT who's amazing. And I've worked really, really hard, especially with my knees to get them strong again after two major surgeries. About two months ago, I got back on a snowboard for the first time in four years. And I took this picture because it was just a moment with me and God on top of that mountain. Before I went down, I just sat down and just worshiped God. I could have said, God, where were you? God, why did you? All I said was, God, thank you. Thank you for walking with me through this and getting me back to this point where I can do this again. I'm sure other people saw me and thought, that guy doesn't know how to snowboard. He can't get up. Maybe that's true. But it was just a, it's just a memorial. It's just a reminder. Just one way for me to say, God, this is what you've done. Some of you right now, you're, you're just coming out of a time where God showed up big in your life. Make a memorial. Maybe you write it down. Maybe you take a picture. Maybe you start a blog. Maybe you take up journaling, whatever it may be. My two kids, when they both accepted Christ, I put their, their spiritual birthdays in my phone, in my calendar immediately. Because I want to remember those days for the rest of my life. Because I remember those conversations. I remember the prayer. I remember that. Those incredible, incredible days. So I had to make a memorial, set a reminder. And some of you are just coming out of something where God's going, write this down. Do something to remember this. Others of us, we're right in the midst of the darkness. And some of us, it's really hard to see the faithfulness of God in our lives right now. It's really hard to see where God has shown up or where God has proved himself faithful or powerful or loving. And if that's where you are right now, I want to encourage you just to look at the cross. In my darkest of days, when it's really hard for me to remember the, the stories, to remember the things that God has done for me, the ways that he has shown up for me, I have to turn my attention to the cross. Because the cross is the greatest reminder for all of us. It's the greatest illustration of God's power, of God's faithfulness, of God's love. That he would love you and I so much to send his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. He would love you and I so much that he would sacrifice that much for us. And so you remember the cross because it pulls our attention back to his power, his faithfulness, and his love. I want to close by all of us reading this Matthew passage, and we're just going to read the first, first two verses, which are the first three petitions. It's the ones we just talked about. And as we do, I want to encourage you. Say, hey, God, help me to know that I know that I know that you are my father. And help me have the right perspective on that. Help me not be tainted by my relationship with my earthly father. But to see you, see you as a heavenly father. God, help me to know that you're in control, that you're sovereign over all, that you're in heaven. And God, help me to put your name above every other name. 
May your name be hallowed. May it be holy in my life. Let's read this passage out loud. Verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we come before you and we thank you. And we do pray that, God, your kingdom will come and your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in our lives, in our families, in our situations. God, that you would do miracles. That, God, your will will be done. But, Father, for us to truly pray that and to, to believe that and to hope for that, God, we've got to have the right understanding of you being our Father. So, God, for those of us who struggle with that, God, help us to get a right image of you, right image of you being an authority with love, embracing us, walking with us no matter what we're dealing with, never leaving us or forsaking us. God, for some of us, we're wrestling with that, that idea that you're all supreme, that, that you're sovereign over everything, God. It feels like our situations and our lives may feel out of control, God, but help us to be reminded that you are in control. We can trust in you. And then God, help us to Put your name above every other name. And God, for those of us who are walking in the midst of the darkness right now, for those of us who can't see or be reminded of your goodness, your power, your faithfulness, God, may return to the cross and be reminded of the sacrifice of what you did for us, Jesus. Proving your faithfulness, proving your love, proving your power. Father, we thank you. Tell us what we're all to do next, God, and how we can set up reminders in our lives of who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.